Welcome to Beyond the Tools, the podcast that helps contractors attract more leads, grow their business, and finally get off the tools. In each episode, you'll discover marketing tactics that work. You'll get actionable insights from other successful contractors and connect with experts to help you grow. I'm your host, Crystal Hobbs, owner of a social media agency that helps contractors attract and convert more leads. Get ready to take your business to the next level so you can finally enjoy the fruits of your hard labor. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to Beyond the Tools. I'm your host, Crystal Hobbs, and today I couldn't be more excited to introduce you to an amazing entrepreneur and someone I'm very proud to call my client, Mark Mason. Mark is the CEO of RCL Mechanical. He's the owner and founder of Eastside Home Solutions and owner of Riverhouse, a restaurant in Totten, Massachusetts. In our chat today, Mark really talks about some of the keys to his success, particularly with RCL Mechanical, but also really digging into his mindset when it comes to business growth and strategy. We talk about some of the systems and automations and key hires that really helped him to get to that next level and where his drive really comes from. If you're in a position in your business right now where you feel stuck and you want to get to that next level, this is the perfect episode for you. So let's head on over and chat with Mark. Mark, welcome to Beyond the Tools. I'm so excited to have you here today. I'm excited too. Let's do this. All right. So Mark, you are, you've described yourself as a serial entrepreneur. You're running multiple businesses. I guess, tell us a little bit about where you're at now and where your businesses are. Yeah. So uh, let's, let's talk about today's successes, right? So right now, as you know, I mean, Crystal helps me a lot with my social media and getting Facebook marketing leads in the door. So right now we I own and operate a $10 million plumbing and HVAC outfit. It's about half and half, 50 50, 50% service, 50% commercial. So it's essentially like building two businesses right now. We started in 2020, September, and we went from essentially three or four employees to now, I believe, about 48, 49. It'd probably be about over 50 by the end of the year. So super cool. I was always in real estate and I did have, I do have a plumbing background. I went to real estate. I went to trade school for plumbing in general, but I didn't know that would lead me to where I was at today. In school, they do a really bad job of telling you like your options in life. You know what I mean? So I didn't know there was like project management positions. I didn't know there was estimating positions. And I didn't know like they don't teach you marketing. They don't teach you finances. So when I got into it, and I got a job at a mechanical firm out of Boston. I said that all started clicking. You know, I, I came from the field to estimating to product management, and I've seen all aspects of the business. And it led me to here today that I realized during COVID that I hate my full time job. So I'm going to do it by myself. So I went into real estate and plumbing and heating full time, which led me to this building this crazy brand, RCL Mechanical. It's been, it's been a journey. 
It's like a roller coaster. Being a business owner is like a roller coaster. And the hardest part is managing the employees. And they're the most important part, right? So that's been the journey and a quick snippet of RCL Mechanical. And of course, I feel like like most people, people have multiple streams of income. I have a restaurant that I'm 25% owner of. And I also have a real estate firm that we do fix and flips. And we have buy and holds in uh, about 36 units in there. So That's amazing. And I know RCL Mechanical has seen really explosive growth since 2020. And you're one of the most driven people I know, hands down. I think it's incredible how you're able to balance everything. But obviously, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes to make you able to do all of these things at once. So what do you think are some of the things that are really fundamental to your success in business? That's a good question. And it's tough to wrap it up all in one conversation, right? So the support at home, you know, the first thing is like, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. You say that, I say that a lot because, you know, if you start your day off behind, your whole day is kind of ruined. You know, you're always trying to catch up. You're always trying to catch up. You're rushing, you're doing things just to do them. So I think you have to be very aligned in your home life in order to be a business owner, you know, because you're leading so many different lives. Like people, humans just want to be led, right? So you come in and you don't give them leadership. They're not going to stay. You're not going to build a culture. You know, one of my, I just did my paint division for the next three years. And something on my paint division was I want to be, I want to be recognized as a top place to work in Boston, Massachusetts. Like that's where I want to go. And it's, you know, it's still, it's a, it's an award and we want to, we want to be there. So, you know, like I said, it all starts, you know, from the minute you woke up. And I feel like since I've learned and gotten mentors and coaches in the game, I've, I've developed a hundred times faster than I did prior. You know, I've learned more in the past year with spending $60,000 on coaching than I have in the past five, six years. And people are probably like, oh my God, it's crazy coaching. I mean, 60,000. I mean, but we've done over $20 million within all the companies. So like, what's the $60,000 compared to the 20 million, uh, to the 20 million in revenue that we brought in, you know? So I feel like so many business owners are caught up in like, oh my God, I spent $200,000 in marketing. I spent, you know, I spent this much money in leads and it's like, you know, but what if you didn't do that? You know, would you be stuck at that million dollar company, that $600,000 company? We are, we are negotiating to purchase a company near me. And I, when I, the minute I looked at that company was like, wow, I would not want to be in this company's, this company's seat because they did $600,000 you know, it's, you know, it's our operator and all they really have is contacts. But these days, contacts were very valuable back in the day. But now these days, I just tell you to boost our marketing and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to bring those contacts in. So, you know, to, to, to kind of go over how the successes came and stayed within the organization and myself is it's discipline, consistency. It's doing the work when nobody's looking. It's, It's just, you know, and honestly giving, like, I feel like give is gain. So like, I'm always, I always want my employees. I I want my employees to take my position. Like, I'm not that guy that's going to be like, Hey, like I'm the owner, you know, you know, take, you know, you're not getting my spot. Like, no, fire me. I I want out. You know what I mean? Fire. I want to get fired. I want you to come up. I want you to have, like, give your family that vision. I want you to be wealthy. So I feel like I tell, I tell that to all my employees and, you know, it, it came to life 
when we went over our painted vision, our three-year vision on Friday, on Wednesday before we left for Thanksgiving. And a lot of them got up and were like, you know, they were just amazed that we gave them direction. They're like, we've never seen anything like this. Like nobody filled us in. Like, you know, we're just, we were this small in other companies. Now we're like part of the vision. We're part of it. And it all comes down to that CSR. Like I treat that CSR just like I respect in another owner of the company. So, you know, and they are the first point of contact. So like you have to be disciplined and you have to be consistent across all boards. You know, it's it's like going to the gym. You go to the gym for a week, you're not going to see results. But if you go to the gym for four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, you're going to see results. It just doesn't happen overnight. And I feel like everybody gets sold on that that like overnight success game. Like, hey, here's 10,000, give me $10,000 and I'll make you a millionaire this week. You know, it doesn't work like that. If there were, if it was, I'd be, I'd, I'm all in. It just doesn't work like that. So I feel like it's just, it's a little bit of everything, you know. And I feel like people want to be led, like I said. And you know, you have to create leaders. You know, I'm creating leaders so I can follow behind them. So, and that's the best way to put it. So, and I, I come, I come across and I prospect the people that I want to do business with and be friends with, which is like, you know, like you. I, I had I was interviewing another Facebook marketing company, but I told you I selected you because your personality, your hungerness, and I you know I do business like you, so you know I loved it. So I just felt I just felt you were genuine. The old school sales is gone. Like there's no more pressure. There's no more elevator pitch. It's like people can read it. People can go online and they can see the reviews. They can see who you are as an individual on all platforms. So. Like if I could wrap it up in two words, it's consistency, discipline is the key to success. Absolutely. And I think you you mentioned a lot of things there that we could really dig into as well in terms of having a strategic direction, getting your team to buy into that, having leadership and transparency with your people. I do want to go back to one thing that you said there that I thought was really interesting when you're looking at the value of a business and that it's not really about the contacts anymore. That's not something that's buyable or sellable in some cases. So I know that you are really big on systems in your business. And that's been a big part of how you've been able to grow so quickly while being involved with other businesses as well. So in your view, what are some of the key systems that you've implemented in RCL Mechanical that has made a big difference? So systems and processes, I didn't know that they were so valuable until I started building the business. And I'm not perfect. None of my systems are perfect, you know, and I've been taught by mentors and coaches that, you know, even though they're not perfect, you have to implement them. Because I feel like everybody's waiting for that perfect system, that perfect employee, that perfect anything. And that just doesn't happen. It's not life. It's never going to be perfect. So if you if you're waiting for the perfect business opportunity to come. It's never going to come, so you have to go get it. You have it's going to be imperfect, and I have a nickname in the in, in the office. It's called Trigger Mock because I pull the trigger almost too fast, but I execute. You know, and I tell it's funny because I go over this a lot, and they're like, you know, you just you just you just get it done. You just get it done. I'm like, yeah, you know, I fail fast, guys. Like, you got to fail fast. I, I pull the trigger. I put the wrong decision. I live with it, and I move on, and I and I and I learn from it. I keep going. So I feel like everybody procrastinates. You know, and it's just like, 
you know, it's so easy to procrastinate. Oh, I don't want to sign up for, you know, this marketing because it's just a lot of money. Or I don't want to hire that employee because that's the highest paid employee, but that's going to get you to the next level in business. Like, you know, I can't go out and install heating systems. I can't do that. I can't bill. I can't manage. I can't lead. I can't, you know, I can't do any of that without systems in place. And we're not perfect here. But we, we've came a long way and we're doing it as we go. And finally, that I've been building that office staff, I have people that are below me that are implementing it. And it's been a hell of a ride, you know? And it's, I would be probably, we'd probably be a two or $3 million company if I didn't, if I didn't follow my gut, stick to the marketing, stick to leads and, and get mentors and coaches. There's no way we'd be where we are today, you know? But I feel like everything is, everything starts like, from the bottom with your core values. Like, do you hire the, did you hire them because of their core values? Like, we have so many people that come in the door that's just like, ah, you know, their skill set's not there, but their core values align. So, like, how can everybody's teachable? If they have those core values, they're teachable. So, those systems and processes start right at the beginning. Like, every interview I have, my system is right at my conference table that I'm at right now. These are our core values, definitions. If our system is, if they do not take these, after the interview, automatic, no hire. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it's it's tough because you're like, ah, you know, it was maybe an accident, but it's like, you know, we just gave them value and we just gave them what the most important part of our business is and what we stand by and they didn't take them. So can they live by them? I don't know. It's up to you guys to be the determinator of that. So what are some of the core values that you impart on your team? So... We have a, we have a lot of them, but a couple of the ones that I you know I really hit on daily is extreme ownership, go the extra mile, and customer centric. So those are those are like the the three big ones, and it's just you know it's part of our brand promise. We just did that painted vision, so it's it's all written in there. So when an interview when someone comes in for an interview, it's right on the wall. They get to see where we're going, what's going on. They get to see the team, and you know. They get to know the core values. So they, and it's easier for someone to buy into it if they know everybody else is bought in. So, you know, you know what I mean? Like if you have a meeting and you have your, your top three producers in there and you're, you're bringing a new hire in, that new hire's perception of you and the company in that first meeting is going to pretty much carve the path for her throughout the journey. Because if they're respecting you and they're bought in, she's going to be felt left out if she's not bought in. Right. So, it's all, it's, it, it's, it's a big game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I guess going back to the systems piece, I know that you've got a lot kind of set out on the back end, even when it comes to your marketing. And obviously that's the area that I know most intimately about your business, but automations, I know you have mentioned has been a really big part of that. So what are some of the things you have automated at RCL Mechanical. So the automation, you know, automation is automation is new to me as well. And, you know, so anybody that's like marketing, uh, automation, like I don't want to do it. Like, why? Like, you know, people are gonna pick up the phone and call. Like that was me. So you're able to change and innovate and monetize as well. And that's what we're doing, you know. It's hard for me. Like I look at all these CRMs, I'm like, you know, sometimes I'm not leading because I don't understand them properly myself. But you know what? What I do is I just call whoever the, the pro is. I'm a master delegator. You know, I feel like delegation is probably another thing that goes to the top with consistency and discipline. 
Like if you're able to delegate and lead, then you're going to be successful in business. But as automation lies, we've been dipping into it a lot and it acts as almost another an employee or another two employees that, and, and the best part is they don't make mistakes. They very rarely make mistakes. So, you know, if there's a mistake, it's made on the back end. So, you know, and, and how we work in our business, a lead comes in on, on, on portions of it. They go in through a web form on our website and it's a big joke in the office because Ashley answers them and Ashley's like, Hey, it's Ashley. And it's Ashley by design because people answer women more weirdly. I don't know. So it's Ashley. And Ashley, Ashley has an email. Ashley has, she's just, she's a robot in the company. And so someone, somebody calls and asked Ashley, they know, Hey, oh, Ashley's not available, but you know, I can help you today. So, which is really cool because like everybody's bought into it and Ashley emails people, texts people. And she almost to a point sets the appointments up to with the comfort advisor or the commercial sales salesman goes out and looks at everything. And, uh, you know, there's just so much things you can do from getting a lead, working the lead until you can start the, set the appointment to nurturing it after the appointment with the follow-ups and just repeating that. And even, even texting, like automating text messages of happy Thanksgiving. We just sent out a text message to everybody on um, Tuesday to all the customers saying, Hey, hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving. I wasn't trying to sell them anything. You know, I was just saying happy Thanksgiving. And those are the things like if you were able to text people to 20, I think we have 2,500 customers right now. If you're able to text 2,500 employees in one second, think about that. That little text, it's like, it's, you know, hey, Gary, happy Thanksgiving from the RCL team. It just seems very homey and like, oh my God, they care about me. They thought about me. Oh, that must've been Jimmy. Jimmy came out and we really resonated and, you know, and leave it up to them. Maybe that's why we have eight calls on a day off today and with trying to figure out people to do them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that automation and, and another thing that I love doing, it's just a little bit of everything. And now we have an automation where our salesman sends out a estimate and then four hours later, they get a ringless voicemail saying, Hey, it's RCL mechanical here. Just following up to make sure you get your estimate. That does two things. It lets them know that we're touching base. They think they missed a call. So they call back to schedule it, the, the appointment, uh, or they sign the estimate. And number two is it makes sure that Jimmy did his job or any sales guy does his job and they have the right email. You know, they have the right contact information. So it does multiple things and it almost follows up for the salesman. So 100%, I mean, automation is king. And uh, we're automating the commercial end, which is like the behind me, these are all the commercial jobs. It's a lot different. It's a different beast than service, but I feel like this is something you should probably get into, Crystal, because I feel like the commercial sector is so behind the service sector with like automation and customer relationship management tools and stuff like that. So, you know, right now we have our, we send out proposals through a CRM and then they get follow-ups every couple of weeks. And it's, it's very, it's a very, uh, it's not a very in-depth software where we're doing a bunch of different things like service, but it's still a, a software that tracks all your KPIs. It, you know, you can text message, you can email through it keeps all the notes in there. So I feel like it does a lot different, a lot more things than a human can do on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, you'd have to hire three or four people to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're totally right that when we 
think about automations as well. We think it's this big, complicated thing, but sometimes it is as simple as having a text message go out. Or one thing that we recommend for any company is having sort of like a long-term nurturing sequence that, you know, maybe it's the top questions you get about a heat pump that goes out, you know, the first couple of weeks that a new lead comes in, or even having something that, you know, they get a series of three to five emails over a six month period, if it's a cold lead that didn't really go anywhere. So it can be those really simple things. I agree. Sometimes, sometimes just, it's just simple is better sometimes, you know, 100%, 100%. If I knew this years ago, I would, we'd be crushing it. You know, I feel like not a lot of people are, do, are, are doing this automation and CRM management in our area. And that's why we've been able to grow as fast as we can, you know, because now we have a team and, you know, we might be higher in price, but at the same time, we can get there. People have no heat. Price doesn't matter, especially if there's financing in front of them, you know, hey, it's going to be a hundred dollars a month for the next 60 months. Okay. Let's, let's do this. You know? So half the, pro- half the thing is just getting in front of the customer. Once you're in front of the customer, it's an easy sale. Yeah. One thing I really like about you, Mark, and how you run your company is that you do seem to have that long-term vision. Like you're always looking at the bigger picture and not getting too involved in the weeds of things because you bring the right people in to handle those things. I am curious if you look back on your growth over the last couple of years, what were some of those key hires or what were some of the things that you handed off early in the process that really helped you get to that next level? So the number one thing I think holds business owners from growing is trust. Like, I feel like it's so hard to trust people. You know, it's like, hey, this is my baby. Like, I'm going to just give you the keys. You know, it's like, well, how else are you going to grow? You can't do it all as a business owner, right? So I feel like those first key hires are detrimental to the business, you know, and believe me, it it was tough for me too. Luckily, I have a big network and we created a a pretty big vision that everybody kind of was like, ooh, what are they up to? What are they doing? So like everybody that looked us up was like, oh, they're cool. They got a cool social media. They got, who's working there? So it kind of gave everybody like that, that good feel about us, which put trust in us. So we could put trust in them. That kind of, that kind of brought in guys that were, you know, that could handle the positions we gave them. And I feel like when you bring employees in, some employees are going to get you here, but those aren't the same employees that are going to take you to the next level. And a lot of people get emotionally attached to that, you know, and sometimes you just got to repurpose. You don't got to fire them. You don't got to lay them off, but sometimes you just got to repurpose people. Some people grow exponentially faster and some people get complacent. Some people, things change, personalities, personal life. So there's so many different parts of the, of the puzzle that you really have to like navigate. So, you know, the first hire, you know, I'll go back. The first hire I hired was more than we made together as business owners, me and Rich, you know, and we put the company on the back burner to hire them for the better of the company. That employee is not here anymore. You know, it was well north of six six figures. Me and Rich did not take a, a paycheck from the business for the first year and a half, but we also started the company with $20,000 and now we are an eight figure company. So it's, Awesome to look back at. It's been a hell of a ride, but that one, that one, that one hire 
alleviated me from the daily day-to-day basis that I could sit back and figure out what what the vision was. Because before I was taking service calls. Hey, Nancy. Hey, Joe. Okay. Jaden will be there. This guy will be there. So once I was able to take take a step back from that, you know, and that happened fairly quick, probably about a year into the business, six months a year into the business. And um, people just started rising. Like we brought, I ended up, like I told you, I had a mechanical company that I worked for prior and I knew, I didn't really know what my plan was, but at the same time, I knew there was going to be something going on. So I developed a bunch of relationship with employees that were unhappy there. And I brought probably like over the course of two years, probably like 10 or 12 of them over from that one company. So that was a great feeling, you know, and I feel like, you know, they, they had extreme, they had extreme like mental abuse there. So they come here and they're like, oh my God, like it's family here. It's, you know, look at what they're doing. We're going to the Red Sox games. We're going to the Bruins games. We're doing all kinds of stuff. Like, you know, there's so much culture. They care. They have vision. They, they share. They don't email you and, and, and morally just bring you down. So I feel like there was a couple key good hires, which is my product manager now, which was hired as a service manager. There was a operations manager that almost came in as an operations manager because we thought we were going to be ready for him sooner than we were, but we were not. So we acted as a service manager. And we brought in an estimator for commercial, which took me out of the, that seat and it put him in that seat to estimate full time. And I believe our first year in business, we did... We estimated $41 million in commercial work and we landed $4 million. And usually you get about a 10, 12% hit rate in the commercial industry, but it's a little harder for us because we're a new name to the industry. So people are just getting used to us. So we were just volume to us getting bids out was big for us just for branding. Like, okay, who are these are? I've gotten five bids from these guys. Like, what's going on? Like, who are these people? Let me look them up on LinkedIn. Boom. Once they hit my LinkedIn, I see they hit my LinkedIn because I got the premium version and I'm, I'm on it. I'm, I'm the best friend. Happy birthday, blah, 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 blah. And so those hires are the scariest hires because you can't afford them. There's no business owner that can afford them when you hire them. But you know what? Think of it is you got 52 weeks. You know, they might be $150,000, but you got 52 weeks to pay them, right? That $150,000 divided by 52 is, you know, it, it breaks down a little bit better. And then those numbers are a little bit easier. Okay, I can work with that, you know? So could we afford them? No. But you know what? We did it anyway, because I mean, you have to execute in this business. You're never going to grow. You know, when you don't have butterflies and it's easy, that's when you know that you're doing something wrong. I just said this the other day to somebody. It's like, you know, oh, it's about, it's always about me speaking on stage a lot. I'm like, okay. Like, it's like, it's like, geez, I got butterflies again. It's kind of weird. Like I'm nervous. It's like, and but I, I'm like, I love that because it means I'm doing something that's out of my comfort zone. It's getting in a different room. So you have to do that in business, you know, and you're never going to be ready for that second, a third or fourth employee. You're never going to be able to afford them unless you're, you know, unless you're born with money and you get a couple million dollars and you can start a company like that. But you got to, as I say it all the time, you you got to jump out of the plane, build a parachute on the way down, because that's that's sweat equity in your company. Yeah, and really knowing when to make investments that are going to pay off long term, even if it's painful in the short term. I agree. I agree. You got to think long term. Every time I have a conversation with everybody, it's always like long term. Hey guys, I'm downloading everything in here to give it to you because this is your position soon. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to know it all. And you probably heard me say that a couple of times. So I think, you know, I think it's just having a bigger vision and letting everybody's dreams fit inside your dreams. 
And when they know that, they're gonna they're gonna ride with you. You know what I mean? I love that. So Mark, I love the way that you think about business. And again, you're one of the most driven people that I know. How do you think that your upbringing has influenced how you run your business and your life and your drive? Yeah. So it's probably the hottest question to answer. So where do I start? You know, as a child, you know, some people just don't have a fair shot. Did I have a fair shot? You know, I say it's 50 50. You know, I was lucky enough to have grandparents take me in at a young age probably about a lot of it's a blur, but like maybe around five or six, they took me in and, you know, they saved myself, my brother and two cousins. So my grandparents that took us in and, you know, thank God they did because who knows, I you know, I could have been in foster care, adopted. I don't know. I don't know where I'd be, but it was, it was amazing that they did. They did a great job bringing us up, you know, although it was two 70 year olds, you know, bringing up a bunch of kids. So you know how that went. There was parties every weekend. It was, it was, it was, it was epic. So as we got into middle school, I think a lot of my trauma was starting to come out and, you know, I was always in school and I was the, the child that was always a disaster. You know, I was getting suspended for days and weeks and talk about expel, getting expelled, hanging out with people that I shouldn't be hanging out with. And, I was going down that downturn and, you know, I, I remember not even being able to go to the eighth grade dance. So, and it's like, ah, you know, shit. So that was tough for me. So where it really started turning around and in middle school, you know, I was doing things like I had that hustler in me still, you know, we were, we were playing poker in the bathrooms for money. We were doing these weird things. It's like that you normally wouldn't do, but we were all kind of like, we kind of, it was like the hustlers group, you know, we were playing poker for money. We were selling ringtones on Nextels. I mean, does everybody remember Nextels? Like if you're 90s baby, then you do. So you go, you fast forward into high school, somehow, some way I got into a technical school, which was very hard to get into at the time because, you know, they only took like 300 kids and there was a bunch of different towns. But I think I got in because my cousin and my brother got in and he was, uh, he was very well known in that school. So I got into high school. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I explored all the shops. I landed in plumbing. Same thing. I was a class clown. I was the ringtone dealer. I was fixing people's Nextels. I was changing 860 screens. I was selling soda. I was selling candy bars. I was just hustling. It was, and, and now thinking back at it, it's like, like it was in my blood, you know? And it was just a matter of that one path. Was it going to be left? Was it going to be right? You know, it could have been good or bad. I remember my grandfather saying, you know, back in the day, he's either going to be in jail or he's going to run the country. So it was pretty funny because that's how I was as a kid. You know, I was a kid that like rolled around with his bottle with, I, I had to have soda in it for weird reason. And I was just, a, I was a terror. So, you know, freshman year was a tough year for me. Same thing, suspensions, you know, and then sophomore, junior year, I started coming out a little, little bit. I almost got expelled because of my grades because in shop, we didn't really do much. What I, when I really started taking the turn is when, I got a taste of money. You know, I was making money doing all these other things on the side. But once I went on co-op and I got a plumbing job, it's like, ooh, all right, good money, good money. You know, don't forget we were in the recession then. We were coming in, I was like, we were coming out of high school. I came out of high school in 09. So we came out just on that back end of the recession, just getting through it. And 
a lot of people were, it was a different game out there. Like, you know, people were getting laid off. People were half, every, a lot of people were sitting on the, the bench, you know, and I came in and they needed somebody in my town to take the plumbing job on a prevailing wage work at high school. So, and my plumbing vocational teacher actually got the newspaper article and gave it to me. He's like, Mark, you got to go try this. So I right out of high school, I was making 30 bucks an hour. You know, my base pay was $8 an hour, but my prevailing wage pay was 30. So it just snowballed. I saved it. I saved it. I saved it. I saved it. I was always a saver. You know, I'm like, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I'm going to do something. And I didn't have a plan at that. It's so hard to have a vision and have a plan what you're going to do the rest of your life at, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. Some people don't figure out what they want to do to their mid twenties and thirties. So I got my plumbing license. I was like, oh, okay. I was like the first person actually in my high school, they, the plumbing program was new. It was like 10 years old or something. And I was the first one in the high school to get a journeyman plumbing license in Massachusetts out of the high school. So it was kind of felt good to me. I'm like, oh, like, you know, my vocational teacher that always believed in me, they were great. They were ex-Marines and they, were, they, they ran the place like it was boot camp, you know? So it, it, we developed a great relationship and actually... You fast forward to now, that was one of the people I hired that I couldn't afford. He came back and he worked for us, which was awesome because he's like, he's seen us since we were kids. And he's like, he's like, I love what you're doing. I want to be a part of it. And he was like, he's like a mogul in plumbing around here, you know? So it was, that was really cool. And it's like life comes around circle, you know? So you go through high school, you, you graduate, I'm making all this money and I start doing a lot of side work. And, you know, the side work is with the partner I work with now, Rich. And, you know, we're doing some side work. I have Mason plumbing at that time. And, you know, I'm just going, I'm just learning as I go. And I started working for a company that was doing rehabs on houses. So I started working for them. And I came to the conclusion really fast that, like, I didn't want to work for them because they couldn't lead me right they would degrade me. They would want me to push a schedule. They'd say they're ready when they're not ready. It's like, no, just no respect. So I'm like, I can do this way better than them. There's no way. There's no way they can do this better than me. So I said, you know what? I'm going to get into real estate. And it was like probably a week, two weeks after I heard something on the radio. It's like, hey, come in for your free three-day training to be, you know, to be a real estate investor for fortune builders. So I'm like, and I'm sure you've heard that radio ad before. Probably it's been going on for a while. It's a fortune builders. They ultimately try to sell you a education, but they give you like 24 hours of free training up front to try to bait you into it. And I went there with my iPad, took my days off of work, sat there for three days, laser focused, wrote everything down. And I went in, I went in head hills. And there was one thing I took from that was a couple, a lot of things. But the biggest thing was, I think that kicked off entrepreneurship was they said that like, you have to let people know what you do. I always didn't want anybody to know what I did because I felt like they would think I'm like, oh, you're rich, you're wealthy, blah, blah, blah. Like you're blowing you up. You're, you know, you're conceited. And once I could figure out a way that I could project it and I could project that without being like, to be humble, and everybody like seeing what I did. Once I once I projected that and everybody found out I was in real estate and plumbing, it blew up because everybody wanted to do business with me. Oh my God, mock the plumber. Like, you know, I changed everything. I had a whole new, had a whole new like operating system on what to do. Like, you know, my Instagram name was Mark the Plumber. Then it went from Mark the Plumber to Mark the 
buys houses. And I finally, I was like marketing and I didn't even really know I was marketing. So I bought my first house. No, sorry. I, it was a wholesale. I found out, I found out letting everybody know. I told everybody what I was doing. I had somebody that I worked with. Their father was selling their house. They sold to me for 125 first house. I didn't put a dollar into it. Actually, it was actually a screwed up deal. So I'll tell you the story on that. I, I, I bought it for 125 I was going to rehab it, but somebody came in and bought it for 185 like 30 days later. So I'm like, ooh. This is fun. Like, this is cool. Like, you know what I mean? In the meantime, I was going to rehab it. And I had, I hired somebody that, you know, wasn't licensed, wasn't insured. And they came and took all the, they stole all the aluminum siding off the house. So I had to get, I had to reside the house to say the least, you know? So everybody was laughing. But at the same time, I was thinking in my head, I'm like, whatever, I'm still making 50 grand, 60 grand. Like, you know, I'm cool with it. Like, this is a learning experience for me. So everybody was laughing and I had like another 50 grand in my bank. So that was like the start of the serial entrepreneurship. I'm like, oh, okay. I get it. I get it. Next house was a house hack. It was a three family. I ended up dropping all my money into it, buying it for 178, put about $75,000 into it, maxed out my credit card. I was paying all, I had a $60,000 limit on my credit card, maxed it out. And I was actually paying I was actually paying contractors on the credit card saying, Hey, I'll buy you tools. You know, oh, you oh, you work, you know, eight hours. You want like a Ryobi set? You want a Milwaukee set? I'll buy it for you. Like, so that's what I was doing to get by because I was getting, I had to get creative. I, I couldn't, you know, what was I going to do? Like, I didn't have the money. I finally, so I bought it, rehabbed it, rented it, and then refinanced it, and then refinanced it, pulled all the money out. And they call it the burst strategy, pulled all the money out. And here we are today. I've fixed and flipped probably over 150 houses. I have 36 units. And I would have never thought that would have started with that day. So you guys listening need to know that like you just got to get that first deal done. Because not only did that start a real estate journey for me, it started RCL Mechanical too. It started the restaurant too, because my my everybody wanted to do business with me. My reputation, I built authenticity. I like everybody wanted to. Everybody had trusted me. So like when that when they couldn't get to the finish line on the restaurant, who'd they call? I had the real estate team. I had the people in the field that could bang the hammer, that could get it done, that you know were known. And I built equity and uh and I was a loan shock pretty much for that. And it it led me to today. All those experiences led me how to build RCL Mechanical because RCL Mechanical is is the machine of the of the three, right? It's a machine. It's you know seventy five thousand dollars a week in payroll. It's like it's a machine. So it forms you to who you are today. And what I'm hearing from some of those things you're talking about too, it's really that resilience and to be able to see like, oh, this is just a little hurdle, not a big deal in the long term when you run into those challenges. Yeah, one thing that I am pretty good at is I'm decisive. And I, and I handle stress well. As like an entrepreneur getting into business, I feel like those two things you need to be good at. You know, and, and nobody's born with that, right? But you have to surround yourself by positive people and people that are good at that so you can kind of figure out what they do. Like I can have the worst day in my life, but I'm going to come in and put a smile on in the office because my energy radiates to everybody else. And, you know, I felt like I was one path away of going down the wrong road in my childhood, you know, and I've seen it with friends, 
I, you know, so I feel like you need to surround yourself by the right people and, you know, everything else will fall into place. You know, you are, what is it? You are the average of the five people that you surround yourself by. That couldn't be more true. It is, it is crazy. So that's kind of how I pulled myself out of the, out of the maze that I was in throughout middle school, high school, and, you know, thereafter, you know, I, I had my fun. I did everything I had to do. I was a kid, you know, but sometimes your goals change, your, your friends change, your, you know, you can't like, you know, I'm not friends with the same people I was, but it's not that I'm not friends with them, but I just don't talk to them as much. You know, I, I decide to follow different people on Facebook. I decide to do these things. You know, I decide to do podcasts. So I feel like you were the average of the five people you're around. So if you take a look around, see where you're at, I feel like that's going to be, you know, if you're hanging around with somebody that is fitness, you're going you're gonna to know what macros are. You hang around with someone that's marketing, you're going to know how to do marketing. So, and everything in between. So, I feel like it's who you're around, who you're influenced by, you know, and you're one, you're one step away from, like, my, my biggest thing with me is I'm nervous to fail. I'm nervous to, like, to do something wrong because I don't want to go. I have an addictive personality. So it's like, I, I don't even want to smoke a joint because I'm like, I don't want to get addicted. I don't want to be lazy. You know what I mean? So, but that's just what I see. People that smoke and around me, I kind of like not as motivated. So I'm nervous too. So, so yeah, that kind of goes back to the discipline piece for you. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And, and all of that created opportunity for today. You know, it's so fun building a business like this. It's so fun seeing your employees win. It's so fun ringing the bell. It's just a different, it's just a different game. You know, real estate's fun in its own in its own way. You know, the restaurant's fun in its own way, but there's nothing like building a service business with a lot of employees. Like, you know, the, the, you're impacting so many different people. You know, we have about 50 employees. That's like probably over 100, 120, 140 people that we're supporting, you know, gas, utilities, mortgages, car payments. Like, so it's really cool, you know, and and it's very rewarding. So I know that we have a lot of contractors listening to this show. Any last piece of advice or wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners? So make a decision, you know, execute guys, you got to execute, you know, it's easy to procrastinate. Procrastination is a form of depression. So you need to you need to execute whether it's good, bad, it's the wrong, it was the wrong move embrace it whatever happens from that you're going to learn and you're going to pivot and you're going to get into the next lane and you're going to and you're going to pass the next person you know i feel like you're going to compete with yourself not with others you're never going to me- cannot measure where you're at with everybody else you know just what can you do in the fucking 10 12 14 hour day that you're working because as an entrepreneur contractor whatever you are there's no such thing as eight hours you know you're working you're working all day. You know, it just doesn't end. I guarantee if I text Crystal at eight o'clock at night, she's probably going to text me back. And it's just who she is because, and, and it's probably, she's thinking it's not working. Just like, I don't think it's working. Oh, just a text. Sorry. You know, honey, it's just a text. No big deal. I'm not working. It's related to work, but sometimes we're just wired differently, you know? So we want to help. I feel like a lot of business owners just want to help. And I feel like they got this like false name or like, you know, that they were billionaires and billionaires and all we want is money. And, and I, I feel like we just addicted to the process. 
and we want to help. So anybody out there listening, you know, there's probably a lot of stuff that you can take from this episode, but I feel like, you know, if you have an idea, embrace it, be confident and, and make the decision, you know, and just, just stick with it, live with it. You know, is it going to kill you? It's not like, you know, someone on a deathbed, if you, if you put it on green or red, it's going to go, you know? So like, just, just embrace it hundred percent. I think that is a great note to end on. So for anybody listening that wants to connect with you, Mark, what's the best way that they can do that? Instagram probably is the best Instagram, Facebook. They're both at, you know, Mark Mason, uh, Instagram is Mark Mason underscore with a C M A R C M A S O N underscore. And then, um, Facebook's Mark Mason and you can follow us at RCL underscore mechanical and real estate at Eastside property LLC. And if you guys reach out, I'm willing to help any questions you guys need, any help with systems and processes, anything like that. I'm, I'm willing to answer. So just, just hit me up in the DMs. Fantastic. And we'll put all those links in the show notes as well. So if you're listening, you can go to beyondthetoolspodcast.com to grab all that. Thank you so much, Mark. I really loved our conversation today. No problem. It was a blast. Thank you. Hey guys, just wanted to say thank you again for listening to Beyond the Tools. I love hearing from our listeners and knowing what topics, what guests, what's resonating with you from these episodes. So if you want to share your feedback, please do so. You can DM me at Reflective Marketing on Instagram, Facebook. We're also on Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, wherever you want to. So at Reflective Marketing. And if you are enjoying the show, please go ahead and leave us a review. It really, really helps us out to spread the word to other contractors about our podcast. So thank you so much again. Thank you.